Good morning, church. Uh, welcome to home church. Sorry about my inopportune laughter. I was just reminded that as a child, I used to just love to eat condiments and drink creamers from a table <laughs> when I was really little. Welcome to home church. We are so excited to have you joining us in person, online. We're so thankful to have you here. And we're going to start today off by taking just a few minutes to have everybody stand up and greet one another. Man, let's find our seats this morning, church. What a privilege and an honor it is for me to announce our quizzers. Yesterday they came and quizzed, and we are so proud of them. Um, it was so amazing, and they want to say thank you uh, to all those who came and watched them compete. Uh, wasn't that an amazing thing yesterday? Amen. It was so cool. Um, so we're going to go and start off real quick. Um, red level. Um, these are children who are learning about God's word, memorizing verses. And so red level, first place was Zoe Painter. Amen. Second place was Ari Garcia. Why don't you make your way up right here? <laughs> Isn't she cute? <laughs> Do me a favor, baby. You want to come up a little bit? Just scoot up a little bit, okay? Just right there. There you go. All right. Uh, third place, Lillian. Is she here this morning? Lillian. Okay, and then the rest of these names, if you want to, if you're here this morning, uh, you just go and stand next to Arabella. Um, let's see, here we got Imani Garcia and Maddie Metzger received bronze medal.
let's see here. Uriah McDivitt and Mackenzie Metzger received a silver medal. <laughs> Bella Painter received a gold medal. And then uh, that's the, and so by the way, real quick, uh, Bella Painter, uh, she got a uh, 90% uh, correct. And the uh, Uriah and, um, and Mackenzie Metzger got 80 to 89% correct. Imani Garcia, Maddie Metzger received bronze medals. And then Mateo Garcia, perfect score. So I think me and the, and the kids, and of course, uh, Jim and Cherie and everybody else. Um, oh, where's Wesley? Is Wesley here this morning? Or any other participants? Thank you for reminding me. Okay, all right, no they're not. All right, so kids, you wanna say thank you to everybody who came and watched you on three. One, two, three. Thank you. Thank you, all right, you may find your seat. Thank you guys so much, so proud of you. Real quick. Um, <clears throat> Today is not only a special day because uh, it's the day the Lord has made. We're rejoicing. We're glad in it. But today is someone's birthday. Today is someone's birthday. And not only are they turning 75 and they look, and they look 55. Uh, no, I'm serious. When I say this name, you're going to say, yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, so they're only turning 75. They look 55. Um, still going strong, serving the Lord, loving Jesus. Was a, they, are, they are a veteran served our country. Can we please say happy birthday, none other, to Kenny Peoples. So on three, we're going to say happy birthday. One, two, three. Happy birthday. And so uh, on behalf of Home Church and the kids, they want to bless you with your own cinnamon roll and whatever coffee you want today for you to share with you and your wife. Happy birthday, Kenny. We love you. Thank you. Amen. All right, so after that excitement, we have a few announcements before we get started. First and foremost, there are welcome cards in your pews. If this is your first time visiting us, or it is your umpteenth time visiting us, and you want to feel a little more connected, fill those out. We would love to bring you more into the fold. And the welcome cards are also available with uh, prayer requests. So if you have anything weighing on your heart that you would like our staff to pray for, Fill those out, and we will be praying for those through the week. We are still doing our Operation Christmas Child. Thank you, Maddie, starting that one up. So we have uh, some lists of recommended items in the shoeboxes. We had run out because you guys are awesome and are taking them. We appreciate it. So we are working on getting some more. Uh, they are in the, uh, the missions area next to the Welcome Center. So the youth group is gathering these every week. We're going to be packing the shoe boxes uh, at the beginning of November. If you don't have time to go shopping for items, that's fine. We also need monetary donations. So every box costs $10 to send. We, um, you can put it into the tithe box or um, you can also do it online. We'll have that um, drop down menu added so that you can donate money through there if you would like to. Harvest Festival is coming up October 28th. That will be 6 p.m. So you can join us for worship, games, bounce houses, fun, Jesus. It doesn't get much better than this. So please bring some individually wrapped candies uh, for this outreach. You can drop them off uh, in the foyer by the front doors. 
I've said this before, but I'll do it again. If you bring non-individually wrapped candies, I will be forced to eat them. So, <laughs> we can't be giving out just bulk handfuls of candy, no candy corn. But if you bring individually wrapped ones, they will stay away from me. Um, we have a Joy Potluck next Sunday, October 3rd. It's our Just Older Youth uh, Senior Citizen uh, Group. And so that will be a potluck, so please bring a dish after the second service in the gym. This next one's pretty exciting too. Uh, women's ministry is going to begin taking orders for their annual pie sale next week in the foyer. Yeah. Thank you. I was like, I thought pies would get more. Um, I love them. <laughs> so the pies will be available the Sunday before Thanksgiving. So you can take them to your Thanksgiving dinner and pretend like you baked them, right? <laughs> Don't do that. That's lying. But, you know, let them know it was baked with love. You didn't just pick it up at a store. If you would like to purchase a pie or if you are willing to donate a pie for this fundraiser, there are sign-up sheets in the foyer next Sunday. So be on the lookout for that so you can sign up to either order or bake. And then finally, as we end up these uh, announcements, it is October, so that is Pastor Appreciation Month. <clears throat> and I just want to take a moment to say that we are so lucky to have Pastor Carlos, uh, Pastor Carlos's family, to be here as part of our church, to lead us as a congregation. Before Amanda and I got settled here, we were going to a couple of different churches um, and trying to kind of piece it together. And Pastor Carlos's dedication to the Lord, dedication to the Bible, his leadership, that is what kept us. And we have to assume that it's what's kept all of you. So this is the time to show appreciation. There are cards in the foyer. You can write a note or give a gift to uh, Pastor Carlos or his fam and his family. Not or his family. <laughs> That'd be weird. This one's for Teo. Uh, <laughs> Uh, you can put the cards uh, in the well there, or you can put them in the Tide box. And we also have a uh, section on that drop-down menu of our website if you would like to give a monetary donation. So this is the time for us to gather and show the pastor how much we appreciate all of the work he does 12 months a year. We like to take one month to say thank you for that. So please uh, show the pastor you appreciate him in any of those ways. At this time, we're going to enter into our time of singing worship together, as well as our time of giving. So, as always, we are so thankful to anybody who has been faithful in your tithes and offerings. We try to make it easy to give because it is important and it's biblical, and this ministry that we have here cannot pursue itself without it. Uh, so you can do it in three different ways. You can give in person in the box at the back of the sanctuary. You can do it online through our website, or you can mail something in. At this time, uh, if I can have everybody bow their heads, we're going to enter into a time of prayer. Father God, we are so thankful to be here today and in your presence to join together and in a corporate worship together that we can all together worship you and learn about you. We thank you for the message that Pastor Carlos is about to deliver for his leadership. And we just ask that you would bless everybody in this church and use this time especially to touch hearts, to send us out to do work for the kingdom. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet, church. Glory to your name, Jesus. Thank you, Matt. I so appreciate those words. Amen. Um, and I just want to give, throw it out there real quick. I know he was messing around saying, you know, write it to Tay or whatever. Just want to give you a heads up. It goes to my wife and Arabella anyways. <laughs> so whatever you give us, whatever gift you give us, it goes to them. Amen. And I got to say, rightly so, I wouldn't be what I am without them. And I wouldn't be, amen. And I wouldn't be, and we wouldn't be what we are without you. And we love you guys. We thank you. And um, amen. Who's ready to worship Jesus this morning? Hallelujah, yes. Um, before we worship, uh, our sister is going to read a scripture this morning. Hallelujah. Ephesians 6.11 says, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. Ephesians 6.12 says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness for this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Can I hear an amen? Amen. We don't fight against flesh and blood, against principalities. Church, we need to, we, and when I say we, I mean America, the world, we need to wake up in Jesus' name. I was seeing somebody who doesn't come to our church and good people, good family, and, uh, they love Jesus, they love the Lord, they go to church, and you know, but yet their children are listening to music that is so profane, and the mom is just dancing, and she's not really even paying attention to what it's saying, but these kids are absorbing these words. I mean, you know, Satan has tactics, and he's doing everything he can to get this next generation. Church, we need to wake up in Jesus' name. Amen. Not to be fearful of the devil, but to be aware of his tactics and his schemes. It was faith night. We worshiped in the heart of Reno, where a bunch of churches come together and worship God. And we're worshiping Jesus in the open, and we go to the baseball game, and yet there, they're playing music with these words, and I'm going, how in the world can we just be worshiping God, and now, hearing this, and being okay with it. I was shocked, church. I'm going to say one more time. We need to wake up as a church in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's, let's give God the praise this morning. Let's worship him with our whole heart, our whole mind, our body and soul. Give God the glory. Give God the glory. Give
see it with your whole heart, church. I said, it's Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. So let us give God. So let us give God. So let us give God the victory. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. So let us give God. So let us give God. So let us give God the victory. Some of you need to say that this morning, not only just with words, but in your heart, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. I'm going to say, Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. Satan, the blood of Jesus is against you. So let us so let us give God, so let us give God the victory. Yeah. Yeah. Young man back there, you ready? Are you sure you're ready? Is he ready, church? Amen. One, two, three, four. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the
salvation for your blood for your cross for your resurrection for what you've done for us Lord, we praise your name this morning ascribe greatness to our God the rock his work is perfect and all his ways are just Ascribe greatness to our God, the rock. His work is perfect, and all his ways are just.
our sister prayers this morning. Holy God, thank you that it can be well with our soul because of you. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for your shed blood for us that we might live eternity with you. And Lord, we played pray that that blood of yours would cover each and every person here in person, each and every person watching online, and cover our pastor with your precious blood today, Lord, that he might be
be well, feel well, and do well because we know it is well with his soul. We love you, Lord. We pray that you would come with your power and your might through the Holy Spirit that indwells us. And Lord, for those who don't know the Holy Spirit, we pray today would be their day to be filled. And Lord, have your will and your way in this place this morning. Once again, we love you, holy and righteous God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Praise to your mighty name, God. this morning. Amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you, church. Thank you, worship team. Can we give our worship team a hand? Amen. Our singers, our musicians. Amen. (laughs) Hallelujah. Well, who's ready for the word of God? Are you sure about that? (laughs) All right. We will see. Amen. Ephesians 6, 12. You don't have to turn there. Uh, real quick, but we will be going to Acts chapter 13 and then Habakkuk or Habakkuk or however you want to say it, um, Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5. So Acts chapter 13 and then Habakkuk chapter 1 verse 5. Turn there with me, but I'm going to be reading Ephesians 6 12 right now. It says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. As we read the, uh, the Acts right here, the Apostle Paul is preaching a message, okay, to give you a little, little background. He's preaching a message, and he ends this message with a warning. It's like, wow, normally you end a message with a positive note, but he doesn't do that. He ends the message with a warning. He says right here in verse 40, Acts chapter 13, verse 40, he says, what's that first word? Thank you, brother. I'm going to say it in chorus. Hopefully the church can say it together. What's that first word? Beware. Therefore, least what has been spoken in the prophets. That's Habakkuk. We're going to be going to Habakkuk. Um, one of the messages preached in Habakkuk that I love so much was from our brother, uh, Mr. Juan, preached a few years ago from Habakkuk. Um, I still remember that message. What a beautiful message. Um, we're going to be going to Habakkuk in a little bit. He says right here, Beware, therefore, least what has been spoken in the prophets. What was spoken in the prophets? Come upon you. Huh. That's Habakkuk, where we're going. 
And then he quotes a verse from Habakkuk. So this is the Apostle Paul, which I think is pretty cool, quoting a verse from Habakkuk. So it's like me quoting a verse. It's like Jesus quoting a verse when he was talking to the devil in Deuteronomy. He's quoting a verse. That's what the Apostle Paul's doing right here. Habakkuk 41, he says, Behold, you despisers, marvel and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which you will by no means believe, though one were to declare it to you. So he's referencing God becoming a man, Jesus dying on the cross for our sins. But he's telling them, you wouldn't believe this even if somebody was to tell you. And he tells them the reason. He says the reason why is because there's a spirit, there's something that's trying to come upon you. You're not going to believe this if you're not careful. He gives them a warning. He says there's, there's something trying to blind you. Even if somebody was to tell you this enemy is trying to blind you to truth. And so then we're going to read the context in Habakkuk right now. Let's go to Habakkuk 1.5. If you're there, say amen. He says, look among the nations and watch, utterly astounded. For I will work a work in your days, which you would not believe. That's sad. Though it were told to you. So now before we read verse 6, he's talking about this, uh, these people called the Chaldeans. They were, they were, um, they were an Old Testament uh, group of people who he's relating to as demon spirits, Okay. So um, he's saying that these people are like demon spirits, the, the characteristics of these people, um, the, these enemies that come against you. Um, listen, okay, so he says right here, verse 6, For indeed I am raising up the Chaldeans, a bitter and hasty nation, which marches through the breadth of the earth to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. They want to control something that's not theirs, but what's crazy, though, the Apostle Paul is quoting the scripture. And back in those days, if these people would have went to Habakkuk and read that verse, they would have said, the Apostle Paul has lost his mind because there are no more Chaldeans. So what is he talking about? This group of people, there's no more. Matter of fact, the Bible says they were utterly destroyed. You guys follow me? The Bible says they were, so Apostle Paul says, look out, beware of the Chaldeans. But if you, go to, if you go to Jeremiah chapter 50 and chapter 51, the Bible says they were utterly destroyed. They were referred to as a nation no more, as a people no more. And I believe that same spirit today, I hope not, would say, did you hear Pastor's sermon today? It's something he never preaches on. Trick or treat, demons. There's no more demons. Yes, there are. Yes, there are. And you better beware. Because they, they, they're coming. Yes. Beware. They're trying to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. Are you guys hearing me? So why would the Apostle Paul reference this? So I want to look at some of the characteristics of the demon spirit, of even the Chaldeans, but really the, the spirit itself. Three things I notice. Number one, they are thieves. Somebody say thieves. They're thieves. So verse 6 said they're trying to possess dwelling places that are not theirs. Satan is a thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But it's not just Satan himself. Satan has an army of soldiers. He has an army, he has minions, he has people working for him. Satan is not alone. 
Satan is not omnipresent. I hear people all the time, they say, Satan told me. I, was, say, I saw Satan, I saw the devil. And it's like, are you sure about that? Satan has a lot of, lot of people working for him. Satan can't be everywhere like Jesus. See, Jesus is omnipresent. He could be everywhere at one time, but Satan, he can only be in one place. When Jesus spoke to Satan, when Satan, when Jesus was fasting, it was Satan himself talking to Jesus. Jesus even referred, it was, it, he, it was Satan. But Satan has people working for him. Let's go to another old scripture, uh, an Old Testament scripture about the enemy. Psalms 83. Let's listen to David when he says right here. Do not keep silent, O God. Do not hold your peace. And do not be still, O God. For behold, your enemies, the spirit, make a tumult, a tumult, a tumult. And those who hate you have lifted up their head. They have taken crafty counsel against you, your people, and consulted together against your sheltered ones. They have said, come and let us cut them off from being a nation that the name of Israel may be remembered no more. Verse 12, I'm going to go down to verse 12. Who said, let us take for ourselves the pastures of God for a possession. They're thieves. They're coming in. And it's crazy. I think so many times they're coming after the believer. No, they're not. They're, 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 they're coming. Actually, I've, I thought to myself, they're coming after the unbelievers, but no, they're not. They're coming after the believers because if they can get us, we can't reach the unbelievers to Jesus. They're coming after us. The exhaustive dictionary Bible names of the word Chaldeans, it says right here, as it were, demons. The root to lay waste, to destroy wanderers Chaldeans demons to lay waste to destroy wanderers it means wanderers and when I heard that word wanderers let's go to Matthew chapter 12 verse 43 it says but whenever a foul spirit goes out of a man it wanders about in a place without water in them and seeks rest and does not find it the contemporary English version says, when an evil spirit leaves a person, it travels through the desert looking for a place to rest. But when the demon doesn't find a place, it cannot rest. New King James Version, when an unclean spirit goes out of a man, he goes through dry places seeking rest and finds none. Verse 44, then he says, the demon says, then I will return to my house from which I came. And he comes, he finds the house empty, swept, and put in order. Then he goes and takes with him seven other demons, uh, other spirits, more wicked than himself. You hear that? More wicked than himself. And they enter and dwell there, and the last state of the man is worse than the first. Notice how the demon can come back. And when the demon comes back, he finds the house swept, put in order. But here's the key word. He finds it empty. Which shows me we can come to God, our lives are jacked up, it don't matter how much money we got or what's going on, it doesn't matter, our lives are miserable without God, we've tried everything, we come, we get our life in order, everything's swept, but our house, our heart is empty of God. Empty. And when the Spirit comes back, He finds it empty, and what He does, He comes and He brings seven more and you ever notice somebody coming to church, they get their life together, things are going great, but then all of a sudden they go back into bondage. The same sin that God, re the same sin that God saved them from, they go back to it, and it's worse than before. 
I'm telling you, church, this is no joke. We are in a spiritual battle for our soul. But thank God for his mercy and grace because he does whatever we can, no matter how many demons come, like the legion who said, I am many, my name is legion, Jesus can still set us free. God does whatever he can. It's crazy to think Abraham was a Chaldean. Abraham was called out of the land of Chaldea. But what's really crazy is when the children of Israel disobeyed God, guess who took them captive? The Chaldeans. Nebuchadnezzar was a Chaldean. Nebuchadnezzar comes and set up this golden image. You remember that? This golden image. To worship and to bow. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which wasn't their real names, that was their Chaldean given names. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, their real names was Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. By the way, I'm really proud of you, Matt. Our teens already knew that when I was mentioning that the other day. When Nebuchadnezzar came and he took two things, he took two things. When Nebuchadnezzar came, he took two things. He took that, that, that Satan, I believe, is trying to take today. Okay? Nebuchadnezzar took two things. Let me show you the two things he stole. Let's go to Jan Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. I'm going to give you some time to go there. I know it's on the screen, but I want, to, I, I, I want you to open up your word if you can. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. Who's there? Say amen. Amen. Here we go. Daniel chapter 1, verse 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged him. And the Lord gave Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand with some of the articles of the house of God, which he carried into the land of Shinar, to the house of his God. And he brought the articles into the treasure house, the articles, which the silver and gold, into the treasure house of his God. Then the king instructed Alphanaz, the master of his eunuchs, to bring some of the children of Israel... And some of the king's descendants and some of the nobles, young men in whom there were no blemish but good looking. I would have been taken right there. <laughs> that wasn't supposed to be funny. Anyways. <laughs> Gifted in all wisdom. Okay, maybe not. Possessing knowledge and quick to understand. Who had ability to serve in the king's palace. And whom they, have, they might teach the language and the literature of the Chaldeans. And the king appointed for them daily provision of the king's delicacies. So right there they're trying to get them into bondage, lust of the flesh. They're teaching them their language and their literature of the Chaldeans. And the wine which he drank. And three years of training for them so that at the end of that time they might serve before the king. Let me tell you two things the enemy's trying to steal. He wants to steal God's money, which is God's tithe, and he wants to steal God's next generation. The Bible says where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Nebuchadnezzar took the artifact, he took the gold, he took the silver from the temple that was the Lord's, and he took the next generation. And this is the reason why, church, we as a church, we're praying and we're believing God. Hopefully someday we can start a co-op, a school. Because this world 
is trying to teach them their literature, their language, but we want to teach them the word of God. The enemy wants the tithe. You know, this is how the enemy comes. And this is how the enemy came against the children of Israel. This is how he's going to come against you. What they put in their mind, what they put in their body, and what belonged to God. What they put in their mind, what they put in their body, and what belong to God. First John tells us that's the pride of life, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. The lust of the flesh is what you put in your body, what you do with your body. The lust of the eyes is what you put in your mind. And the pride of life, how does that relate to the, to the tithe, Pastor? Let me tell you something this morning. Any person, and that was, I put myself in that circle years ago, any person who doesn't tithe is arrogant because you believe you can make it on your own way, not doing it God's way. And I'm just going to be honest, you've got to be arrogant to steal from God. You have to be arrogant to steal from God and to allow Satan to use you to steal from God. Well, pastor, I only make $100 a week. It doesn't matter. Give God what's God's. Pastor, I only make $50 a week. It doesn't matter. You give God what's God's. Pastor, I only make $5,000 a month, and I got bills, and th 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 it doesn't matter. You give God first what is God's. Thank you, little one. I'm not here to argue whether you tithe or not. I'm just telling you right now, you could have every door closed in your life. Everything could be, but you leave that one door open, not giving God what God was his, and that's an open door to the enemy to come in. That's an open door for the enemy to come in. Give God what's his. It's exactly what the devil does. He's a thief. He's a thief. So Nebuchadnezzar, he stole, he stole God's money, he stole the gold and the silver. He stole the next generation. So number one, they're thieves. Number two, they're vicious. Somebody say vicious. vicious. Satan never has a good day. He never has a merciful moment. Satan never has a merciful moment. Habakkuk 1.7. It says, they are terrible and dreadful. Their judgment and their dignity proceed from themselves. Their horses are also swifter than leopards and more fierce than evening wolves. Their chargers charge ahead. Their cavalry comes from afar. They fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. My gosh, there's so much packed right here. They all come for violence. Their faces are set like the east wind. They gather captives like sand. The scripture says they're like wolves. They're like wolves. There's some other things in here that about, I, but, but wolves really stuck out to me, wolves. So I want to go to Ezekiel 22:27. 27. It says, her princes are in her midst, are like wolves. 
tearing the prey to shred blood, to destroy people, and to get dishonest gain. Zephaniah 3 3 says, Her princess in her midst are roaring lions, her judges are evening wolves that leave not a bone till morning. Let me tell you what that means. Notice how a lot of times these spirits come at night. Whether you were raised in church or not, I'm telling you right now, the spirit, the enemy likes to come in at night when you're sleeping or cause you not to sleep, give you nightmares, give you dreams, night terrors, and it's at night is when he comes and when he feeds. It's at night when your mind's wandering and so many people, instead of turning to the word of God and instead of praying, they start meditating on these thoughts, whatever he's throwing their way, and it gets worse and it gets worse and their anxiety builds and they can't sleep. And then during the day, of course, we can sleep all day, but at night, he says right here, it's at night. So I want to encourage you at night, if you ever wake up, if you ever have a bad dream, wake up, plead the blood of Jesus, read God's word, and if you want to go to sleep, read Judges. <laughs> if you want some excitement, read Revelations. But if you want to go back to bed, read Judges, pray, and may God be with you. And you know what? You won't regret what some people regret when they allow their mind to go. And they'll end up doing something they will regret at night. You guys hear me? They're going to come among the sheep. These wolves are going to come among the sheep. You know, I was reading something. This scientist said it was an amazing thing. He said, the, the Lord did not teach us about predators to teach animal control or children fables. Wolves and sheep cannot coexist. When wolves appear most casual and even interesting to watch, they are actually studying you, sizing you up for the attack. The more indifferent they seem, the more serious the danger. They are preparing for the pack attack. The more comfortable a wolf appears, the more deadly they are. Satan never has a merciful moment. You would think if a person is going through something, if a person loses someone, if a person is going through tragedy in life or something, that Satan would let up. No, that's when he attacks. He likes to attack those who are on the fringes, the, the, the sheep that are on the fringes. Spiritually, physically, he likes to attack the sheep that are on the fringes. Spiritually. That's why if I was on the fringe, I'd say, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. I'm getting right here in the center. I want to be right next to the shepherd. He wants to attack. They're thieves. They're vicious. Let me tell you how bad Satan is. If Satan had his way, let me tell you, he would drive every newborn baby through with a sword, with a sword, with a dagger, just like he wanted to do with Moses and baby Jesus when they were born. That's how evil this dude is. He don't care about anything. Anything good. Number one, they're, they're thieves. Number two, the spirit is vicious. Number three, they're cunning. Somebody say cunning. 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 The term Chaldean is, uh, it goes with, is synonym, uh, synonymous with the word astrologer, magician, sor sorcerer. Sorcery, thank you, sister. Sorcerer. Daniel 2.2 2 says, then the king gave the command to call the magicians, the astrologers, the sorcerers, and the Chaldeans. To tell the king his dreams. 
A magician, he deceives you. He distracts you so he can deceive you. That's what I meant to say. A sorcerer deceives you by actual spirits that can tell your future. How many know the devil's real? He got power too. He, he, he wants to deceive you. Um, an astrologer tries to determine your future by, by things that have happened in your life by the, with the stars. And I got to be honest with you. I, I would encourage you not to read your horoscope. Stay away from all that, uh, that witchcraft and Wicca. And it just bleeds and leads into all sorts of craziness. God can set you free. I've known people who've dabbled in that into the occult and God can set you free but you have to want to be set free in Jesus name they're trying to distract they're trying to deceive determine your future there's only one person who can determine your future and that's you and God Ephesians 6 11 put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil the word wiles in the Greek is methodea is where we get the word method. Notice how the world makes fun of Satan. They got a method. They paint this little picture that Satan is a little guy on your shoulder with a little pitchfork, a little tail, and some horns, and he talks to you, and you, you can flick him like this. You know? No. No, no, no. Satan, Satan's beautiful. It looks good. It feels good. It looks right. It seems right. It's got to be okay. Satan's an angel of light. Satan has an army. Joel, in the book of Joel, he describes this. He says they're like locusts. They come in and devour everything in sight. They march in ranks. They don't break ranks. The Bible even gives us different categories of demons in Scripture. Number one, there's thrones. Number two, there's lordships. Number three, there's rulers. Number four, there's authorities. Number five, principalities and powers. Number six, rulers of the darkness. Number seven, evil and unclean spirits. The Apostle Paul back then was trying to, trying to relate something, trying to give them a picture like, look, there's, we got kings and queens. We got peasants. We got, we got generals. We got commanders. We have, this is what they are. They're organized. Satan is not playing around. He has an army of people, and they want your soul. They want your family. They want you. First Peter 5a says, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Be sober is to be in control. I want to encourage you, church, don't let, don't let anything in this world, whatever it is, don't let anything ever take you out of the realm of being in control other than the Holy Spirit. It's amazing how the Bible says, don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be out of control, but be under the control of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, while I was thinking about this, I was thinking about this, I was going, you know, wow, it's crazy. I drive play, by a place every day, and I've been desensitized. It says, it says, wine and spirits. Wine and spirits. And I thought to myself, man, I can't imagine going up in there, like, hey, can I get some spirits, please? I'd like to, I'd like to buy some, I'd like to get some spirits and, and somehow think. No, think about how, how Satan, how deceptive he is. Somehow think, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy these spirits. I'm going to inject this into my body. And somehow there will be no consequences one day. He says, be vigilant, meaning to watch. It doesn't mean to be afraid. It means to watch, be vigilant. Like I was, I'm a parent and I'm, I'm sitting, I'm standing there and this mother is bopping around this music and this, the kids are listening to this. I'm going, do you even know what they're saying? And their kids are up in this room listening to the words of what this person is saying and the parents are blind. Don't be fearful, but be vigilant. Be vigilant. Because Satan is a roaring lion, but he's just a roaring lion. And I like that. He just roars. He just has a big bark because I believe Jesus took his teeth out of his mouth. <laughs> but I like the Bible. It says in Revelations, it says that Jesus is the roaring lion who has prevailed. You see, Satan... He's just a roaring lion. But Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. So church, trick or treat. There's nothing wrong with celebrating, having fun, hanging out. I use every opportunity, especially as a church, we'll use anything to reach people for Jesus. That's why we're having a harvest festival. We're not going to give the devil any holiday. I'm not going to hide in a corner. But at the same time, we need to be vigilant. We need to be careful. Because we also, too, can have our lives in order. Everything look good. We got our 401k, our job, our future. But when he comes back, he finds it empty. I want to show you a video before we, uh, before we close and come back and, and uh, we'll pray. Pray this video speak to you. Open our eyes. Amen. Witchcraft is a wonderful topic for a historian of the modern age because it comes out of the deep past and it has so many possible resonances. The type of witchcraft I like best in the modern era is modern pagan witchcraft, alias Wicca, which is a thoroughly wholesome modern religion in the Western world. It's all about feminism, environmentalism, and self-expression, and seems thoroughly benign. But there's a completely different, much darker side to witchcraft in the modern world as well. It taps into a very deep fear of the ability of human beings to harm each other magically. And this is not only getting stronger and stronger in the developing world, especially in Africa below the Sahara, but it's also increasingly a belief of the deliverance ministry in North America and some of the more charismatic evangelical churches in Europe. All religions are coming around to Satanism. We're in the uh, very throes of a new satanic age. Satan represents the powers of force in nature, and we feel that a cleansing of the idiot ideology of the pallid, incompetent Christ is uh, in order. And so uh, this is something that the Church of Satan is conducting on many different avenues. We're doing this through the use of uh, uh, what we have called aesthetic terrorism. Uh, this involves 
the creative use of art, uh, music, writing, uh, effectively what we call propaganda, the dissemination of information to uh, influence we call iron youth. Cultural conundrums we find ourselves in, these things that are going on in the culture. The latest is Hocus Pocus 2, the sequel to the 1993 film that has really gained popularity over the years. What, what was your reaction when you first heard that Hocus Pocus was coming back for another round? Well, you're right. Here we are again. It seems all too common in today's culture that we are being bombarded with uh, everything except for Christianity. And that's really my first reaction is that we've normalized something that really did create quite a stir about 30 years ago. But now, unfortunately, is just going to be accepted along with all of the other garbage that we're being fed in, in mass media. So, I mean, my reaction was... Um, wow, look, look, at, look at the way in which they're presenting this in this generation. We've, we really have confirmed some of the greatest fears of the previous generation was that we would normalize it, and we did. Talking about the fact that there was a more friendly face put on witchcraft in this sequel. The original came in 1993. There was a lot of talk about the so-called satanic panic at the time. There was a lot of awareness and worry about the occult at that time. Flash forward, here we are. Now there's apparently a more friendly face on witchcraft. Why, why do you think that is? Unpack that a little bit. Well, I'm going to give a biblical answer as a pastor. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14 says, And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. So Satan's always been taking on a form that we will accept. He's not going to show up in a form that we would immediately uh, reject. And so, of course, they're going to put a friendly face uh, to witchcraft because that's how you normalize it and that's how you get it to the masses. And I think that's why we have to be discerning. I mean, we've really got to discern like never before. And I think, unfortunately, we'd like to believe that as a society, we're getting better, that we're increasing in knowledge, that we're increasing in wisdom. Unfortunately, it is possible that we would decrease in discernment and what looks like wisdom to man is actually foolishness to God. And so we've just got to be vigilant. Back on Hocus Pocus 2, because there are people who are believers, they, they love the Lord, their kids are getting pressure maybe because they, you know, they want to see the movie, or the parents thinking, well, you know what, like I can teach my kids this isn't really something they need to engage in, and they're kind of tempted to maybe let their kids watch the film. What would you say to those parents? You know, I would say, I, I talk to a lot of parents as a pastor, and I've had this conversation. You know, I think that there's a resiliency that most kids have that we need to learn how to observe. For example, most kids, when they, when they watch like the first movie, for example, were terrified. And, and there was a fear that was produced as a result of watching it. I mean, that first movie, which was a generation ago, and it really produced a lot of fear. And I think what happens is we ignore the signs as parents. And we say, well, you know, later on in life, they'll say, well, I, I remember that movie. It's nostalgic to me. It was a part of my childhood. But we don't remember. Yeah, but actually we ran to our parents' room for a couple of weeks because it terrified us. And so stop ignoring the signs that it is, it is producing fear. And it's funny because fear in one generation normalizes witchcraft in the next generation because we took something that produced that that feeling produced that reaction 
And then we tell them, oh, it's just pretend. And then in the next generation, it's not pretend anymore. They're in their rooms doing the rituals, doing the seances. They're in their bedroom. They're on their phone participating. You know, Witch Talk has got million. I think it's over a billion views cumulatively of Gen Z who are actually participating in witchcraft. So it moved from the movie screen into their bedrooms. And now they're not afraid of it. They're actually participating in it. And that's why I think what happens is Christians are, oh, they're just, they're overreacting. But I think the fruit of it, the result of it is very obvious. It, it's now moved from the movie screen into their bedroom, into their phone, and into their everyday life. And that's a problem. Witches. The word alone immediately conjures up certain images in our minds. But what does it really mean to be a witch today? And it seems that a growing number of young women and some men are being drawn to a brand of witchcraft and it's political. I use the term witch to describe myself. I usually cite the acronym woman in total control of herself. I am the owner of House Witch Home and Healing in Salem, Massachusetts. I practice witchcraft. I pull tarot cards. I have crystals everywhere. I make shrines. I cast spells. I meditate but it's sort of a political distinction and I think it like speaks to my radical feminism. Both male and female witches are studying the craft under a longtime Salem witch and clairvoyant, Lorelei. You'll notice a significant difference in how the more traditional witches look and practice. I'm what you call a natural witch. I started at about 12. My mother practiced. The thing about the new word feminist, it's a great thing, but it's something that we've been doing for years. <laughs> so we're maybe a little different than the younger generation, we may not be as hardcore. I still want a gentleman to open the door for me. And being the man, may we always have romance, lust, and trust, so motivate. A spell basically is a prayer to the universe. We have chalices full of water, we have candles, something that represents the god, the goddess, just like you pray in church. Around Erica's store has formed a coven made up of astrologists, Reiki masters, and healers, including Erica's fiance, Melissa, who does Salem witch tours with a feminist focus. It wasn't until early 20th century that women's magazines started portraying witches as beautiful and desirable. This trend continued with the success of the TV show Bewitched in the 60s. The 60s also brought us a feminist group, Women's International Terrorist Conspiracy from Hell, or Witch who protested patriarchy by carrying out witch-themed political stunts. In 1985, Wicca, an offshoot of witchcraft, was recognized as a religion by the United States. In recent years, we've seen witches and non-witches publicly reclaiming the title. As young people become less religious in this country, witches like Lorelei and Erica continue to see their covens grow. All religions are coming around to Satanism. We're in the uh, very throes of a new Satanic age. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, the rulers of darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Church, there's no reason to be afraid. There's no reason to be upset. There's no reason. This, this is old news. But there's an enemy 
There is a devil who wants your soul, who wants your grandkids, who wants your kids, and he's doing everything he can. He's doing everything he can to get them. Be vigilant. Be watchful. I feel led right now as a church, we need to stand, we need to join hands together and pray. And if you don't feel led, if you don't want to be in the circle and pray and you want to dismiss yourself, go right ahead. That is totally fine. You say, I'm not, I don't feel like, that's totally fine. But if you'd like to stay within the circle, I want us to join in hands. We're going to join in prayer and we're going to pray as a church this morning. Amen. Let's just, let's make a giant circle. Amen. Make sure they're in the circle as well. Can somebody join, grab uh, their hands, please? Thank you. We're all in this together, right, church? Amen. And we'll do whatever we can to make sure that happens. Um, I feel that there are, there are people's kids, grandkids, who's, who's, who don't go to church. And the devil don't need hocus pocus. Okay, He don't need Wicca. He has many strategies he can use. But again, right now, we're, we're in a Halloween season. We're in a time where, where, where it's, it's rapid right now. And they are praying against us. And so I want to pray for the families who are unsaved. I want to pray for those who are involved in witchcraft that God bring them to their knees. Because if God can set someone free like the demoniac and like the apostle Paul who was Saul killing Christians, God could also save them. And I believe he's going to. But most importantly, I want to pray a protection over our church, over our families, over our grandchildren and children, and that if they're not saved, they come to know Christ, even during a time like this. Let's all bow our heads, church. Could I have a, a board member? I'd maybe ask Mark Butler if you feel led to pray a prayer. Take your time and pray whatever's on your heart for um, unsaved family, unsaved friends. Um, may this prayer, may you have faith, and as you pray, I believe God is going to answer your prayer, um, even for your, your own my brother. Father, for your protection for us. 
they are not shaken when the enemy approaches. Because we don't fight flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle, Father, in our spirit. Church, repeat with me real quick. Our Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. Lead us not into temptation but deliver us from the evil one. For thy is thy kingdom, and thy kingdom come in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Church, you have any questions about today, about the series, Trick or Treat? Again, there's no reason to be afraid. The Bible says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because his rod and his staff, they comfort me. And let me tell you something, his rod, his staff, I've heard people say the rod and the staff is to hit the sheep. No, it's not. It's not to, it's to beat the tar out of the enemy. 
That's what he does. He takes that rod and and he beats the living snot out of the enemy. That's how he comforts me. Be comforted this morning. No, we're on the winning side. Be vigilant and pray to God he don't come back and find your house empty. Amen? Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Amen. Thank you. Amen.